It's time for the best 60 minutes of your life. This is the Homer Hour, broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studio at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee. Alongside former Packer Brian Balaga, here's Emmy Award winner Homer. of your day because Brian Bulaga is going to tell us when he first heard the new defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers and admit that his first thought was who? Joining us now is Brian Bulaga. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. You are. You yeah. are. You're, you're correct. I um. I had to go to the old Google machine and, and kind of see uh, who he was, where he's been, what he's about. And um, obviously, he has experience. He's He's been in the NFL. Obviously, everyone knows by now he, he's been at Boston College. Um, but I think there's, you know, there there's a lot of unknown out there. There's a lot of unknown kind of about his style. And is he going to adopt the, more of the Mike Pettin style, more of the Robert Sala style? Um, there's a lot to be, uh, you know, seen yet. And do you, you know, know the difference between those two styles? Do I know the difference? Yeah. I mean, I know you yeah. do. Okay. Cause I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 um, yeah. I don't get all this stuff because, and LaFleur kind of defended my position when they asked him about it. And he said, I don't in the league, everybody pretty much plays a four, two, five. I mean, his point being, just the one thing that appears to me to be common in the NFL defense, you play five defensive backs. Yeah. All right. And now, yeah. okay, so now what do you do with – but anyway. So I, I look at it this way, right. and, and, I, and I said it on KBN before this. Um, there, it, it, I look at it as day one install, right? Like when what is your bread and butter? That is your base defense, right? That is yeah. where – Everything is designed off of base defense, right? I, I get four two five or nickel defense. Like, yeah, I get that's what majority gets played in the NFL these days, uh, because it is a passing league. But when 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 you're coaching and teaching, what is day one? What is your base defense day one? What can you rely on when you're in a tough situation, when you're in need to have it moments of a game? If it's third and four and you don't know if it's a pass or a run or whatever it may be, what defense are you lining up in, right? So, yeah, Matt LaFleur is right that nickel is played majority in this league. Yeah, but... sorry, I may have said LaFleur. It was uh, Goody who had a press oh, conference. And yeah, Goody. He said it. So. Well, yeah, while he is right, the, the identity of a coach is what his base defense is and where okay. he, what his ideas are come from his base defense. So, to me, right, you're looking at the Mike Pettin-style defense is kind of what we've seen the last few years, right? They went from Pettin to to Joe Barry. Those schemes are very similar. Um, and now we'll see what uh, Halfley's all about. I don't know what you know line of thought he's in. Is he more of the Mike Pettin style, or is he going to be more of the four down traditional Robert Sala style? So, because there's a big difference between the way the defensive linemen play and read the game in those two styles. A Sala style is aggressive up the field 
three steps hard charging penetrating defense the pen defense is a little more read and react it's a it's a different style because it's three down and technically you know a three four style a little more read and react so there's major differences between the two defenses i get it again talk about nickel defense four down two back i get that um but there's got to be a play style and there's got to be a mentality of of what this coach wants and what he likes and how he envisions this defense and Petten and the Salah defense are two different defenses. Um, okay. Now I got that. I just, when I look at a defense, I, t- I have only one question. They go after the quarterback. Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Am I I mean, wrong I... <laughs> to, no. How aggressive are they going after the quarterback? Because to me, that's the most important thing because the quarterbacks are so important, and to me, you get quarterbacks to miss when they feel a lot of pressure. You risk having big plays against you, but I don't. I need I need you to tell me like who was the worst defensive coordinator who just was so incredible at blitz or so aggressive in blitzing and going after the quarterback. Every play that that quarterback is under center or back in the uh, in in the shotgun. I want him to think there's a possibility that nine guys are coming after him or eight guys or seven. How many should I should I have at that? Seven, I mean, six? Yes, yeah, at least six. All right. right? Doesn't One mean I'm than... going to, but he knows I might. I don't know. That's how I thought Buddy Ryan was, but maybe I'm just wrong, and Buddy Ryan just had great players, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, someone that pops straight to mind is Mike Zimmer. Yeah, um, Mike Zimmer had great pressure packages, and and he he could dial them up on first and ten, he can dial them up on second and five, and and you just never knew when these pressures were coming and where they'd be coming from, and uh, you know there's eight guys mugged up on the line of scrimmage, and you got to kind of decipher between who's dropping into coverage and who's who's pressuring, who's spying, who's you know there, there's a lot that goes into it, but you know I think people have been talking about Halfley and kind of, you know, I've seen some things on X that he wants to play press man and things of that nature, which then makes me believe that he's kind of what you're talking about. He wants to get after the quarterback. The only reason you ever play press man is because you're sending multiple people at the quarterback. That would be my assumption. And I'm asking you these things because I actually maybe want to know if I'm wrong. (laughs) So why would you play? that defense with your quarterbacks unless you're going to go after the quarterback. Am I right? No, you're right. Okay. I mean, and, and, and that's that's the assumption that I get from it, right? You're going to play press man. You're going to jam line uh, wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, and you're going to send pressure. And by the time that quarterback has to get rid of the ball, uh, the receivers aren't even in their route yet, or they're just getting to their break. So that's the way I perceive that. When you see press man and, and guys really getting in the faces of wide receivers, um, that's kind of what comes to mind, uh, throwing off timing, making that quarterback hold that ball a tick longer um, and bringing pressure. So if that's the case, hey, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for being aggressive on defense, letting your corners that, you know, that we have. Obviously, Jair's a very high-paid corner. Letting him do probably what he does best, and that's play press man. Let him follow around uh, the top receiver and play on that guy all day. Like that would be something that I'm 
that I would love to see from Jeff Halfley is him him kind of adopt this type of style where if you got a shutdown corner, let that guy travel with the best receiver. Let him let him you know if he's in the slot, if he's out wide, let him go with them. Um, but again, these are all things that, like I said on KBN, we're probably not going to get a good idea of any of this until literally week week one, because he's not going to show anything in preseason. Um, He's going to keep, you know, the cat in the bag as long as he can. Um, and then week one, we're going to see kind of what he's all about defensively. And, yeah, we'll see some things maybe, you know, if you if you go to training camp practice and you happen to watch pressure periods, you may see some things. Um, but nothing like you're going to see week one and kind of how he's dialing up defenses and, and attacking offenses. Of the defenses you played against and of your time in, in the league, I would say quality of talent, way more important than whatever the scheme was. And again, you're here to uh, tell me I'm wrong. Well, you you got to have good players, right? <laughs> I mean, good good uh, players. Again, over, again. Yeah, good players overcomes a lot of potential bad coaching. So it, the scheme could be terrible, but if your players are really, really good, they can hide. I mean, but you scheme. played it. You played, uh, all right, the best in your in your career, the Packers. Best defense you ever played against in uh, one year, or you can mention Vic, Vic Fangio's San Francisco 49ers. Okay, um, was it more than one year? Uh, I didn't, or was it just yeah. one year? Oh no, he was there right. multiple years. I right. had that run. Was it the players or the scheme? Like we know what they're uh, doing. It doesn't matter. We can't stop them. Yeah, I mean, for that team and those group of players. You're, I'm always going to side with the players. All right. The, yeah. The, 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 the players were that elite on the San Francisco 49ers okay. defense. Like they were that elite. Um, obviously, when you have elite players and a great scheme, man, you can do a lot of damage. And they did, right? right they, but if they, they had a bad scheme, they'd probably still have been pretty good, right? Most likely, yeah. Yeah, most okay. likely. But, but, but let me say this, right? right? Like the 49ers, before they got there, had a lot of the same players and they were not as good. Okay. So let me, let's say that before we just, no, that's good. I'm glad you did. What, what, what of the scheme made those players better than you remembered them earlier before he came? Well, I I, I think the first thing is they allowed the front because they were a three, four style. They allowed the front five to, to kind of do what they wanted, right? Justin Smith, Alden Smith, uh, Ahmad Brooks, uh, all these guys, right? I mean, they, they allowed those guys to to be themselves, rush the passer, be aggressive. Not really what you normally see from a uh, a three-down front or a scheme. And then, obviously, that allowed Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis to be just absolute world beaters, right? Like, that allowed those guys to just play free and do whatever they wanted. And then when you had that combination up front, all the guys in the back end, you know, uh, Whitner and uh, uh, Col- I think it was Culver. It was the DB, and and they had a bunch of really good players in the secondary. That'll ju- and that just allowed those guys to to they don't have to do their job as long, right? Because there's so much pressure on the quarterback from the front five. But it allowed them to play aggressive. They could jump routes. They could do things of that nature because they knew the ball had to come out. It was they they couldn't hold it forever. So the back end could be more aggressive with their um, 
with their defensive scheme and, and being able to jump routes and play press man and do things like that. So it, it just made, obviously, a good coach gives players a lot of confidence as well, right, when the scheme fits the players. I'm, the I'm players asking feel. you. I'm just trying to yeah. put it in proper no, perspective yeah. as to um, the future of Jeff Halfley is going to be, or while we discuss it a lot, how much do people that played discuss it or just go, um, those guys aren't really that good, or you don't say it publicly, but like privately, this guy's making these people way better than I thought they were. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of what we're going to find out, right? Because we're, we're going to find out a lot about our defense real quick, right? So everyone was saying it was um, Joe Barry's fault and Joe Barry's scheme. Okay, we're going to find that out real quick. If I mean, we, we've invested a lot of capital on defense over the last how many years, right? A lot of draft capital, a lot of free agent spending has been done on the defensive side of the ball, which would make you then believe that we have a lot of good defensive players, right? Just based off of a lot of first round picks, a lot of second round picks, free agent pickups. Yeah. I, um, I just want to say, I don't care where they're drafted. I no, care how I good. Get, no, I, I care I, how I, good I they that. are. When you say to me, Brian Bulaga, this guy's good. I, I don't care when he's drafted. Now that will tell me how good the GM is. But I make no assumption that somebody's going to be really good because they're under, in the first I, round unless I've watched them. You know, for example, that, but, but, Walker, uh, Clay Walker. I think sometimes he's great. I think a certain percent of times I don't think he has any clue where he is or where anybody else is. Now, <laughs> I could be wrong. Well, I mean, you could be right sometimes. Right. I can, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say that. I mean, the greatness of you is that you, and I'll listen, can say this guy's good, this guy's good. Like how good they should be because they have a lot of first yep. round picks. Yeah, I guess they should. But but if they're not that good, then you know that's on your GM in terms of. Well, but they they have six first round picks. They should be this good. I guess I don't know. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand your point, and I get that. But when you look at it from a a pure standpoint of what the organization has invested on that yes, side of the ball, that's right? Correct. Like when you, when you look at it from, Hey, they've invested a lot of resources on that side of the ball. They have put a lot of trust that they've gotten the right guys. Like you would assume that they got the right guys on defense, right? Like they got the guys that they wanted. And, and this is obviously you'd always, you'd love Aaron Donald. And like, I get that, but you know, so we, we go from this kind of thought that, Hey, this was Joe Barry's fault. This was Joe Barry's defense. Like this new guy, you know, he's going to solve everything. And if it doesn't, then you got to start looking, are the players good enough, right? Like, are, do we have good enough personnel? And, and, you know, you could change the, the coordinator and the scheme and the way they line up. Sure. But it, sometimes you can't change the players. So we're going to learn a lot about, you know, what the Packers have on that side of the football this season, not based on just a new scheme and a new coordinator, and new ideas coming in, but, you know, can these players not only adapt to the scheme, but also perform well, right? Because if guys weren't buying into Joe Barry, they brought in someone new. We got to buy in now and you have to perform. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun watch is the way I look at it. It's going to be it's going to be fun stuff to watch and see and see how Jeff Halfley kind of deploys, you know, the weapons that he has on defense and how these guys play. Brian Bulaga, I want. Jason Wildey on Thursdays. Jason Wildey thus is on Thursdays, and he's next. 
Jason Wilde is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Everybody needs information about the Green Bay Packers from Jason Wilde every day of the year. Grand Gulag did his part by saying, I want Jason on Thursdays. Take it away, nice guy, Doc. Jason, how are you doing this evening? What's up, Doc? Not yeah! Much. Not much. Just Love happy it. to have you on. Happy to have you on, as always. Um, oh. So, you know, it's been 24 hours. You've had the time to do all that good research that you do and and talk to sources and talk to people that know Jeff Halfley. What what have we learned about him? What have you learned about him? Is do you I mean is 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 the vibe good? Is the fit good? What what have you been hearing about him? Yeah, I uh, I'll say this: there aren't many times, and I know even though you're so good at what you're doing now with this radio gig, uh, you're still new at it. Whereas you know, I I go back to. Gosh, what would it have been, Homer? Like 2005, somewhere, there, maybe even earlier than that, uh, with Night Night with Uncle Homie and everything else that I was on with you. I don't know if I've ever had news break the way it did yesterday, where literally I was on hold with Chris Larson and Pete Thamel broke the news that Jeff Halfley was going to be the new defensive coordinator and about 30 seconds after that, I got a text from somebody that said, hey, LaFleur's got his guy. Um, and what I thought was interesting was that as Homer and I talked it through, because let's be honest, and, and I, I saw at least one person who kind of called us clowns on Twitter. Which now they called me mostly the clown, now. not you. Was, I, I'm, well, you're not even close but, in the clown but, department. But, That's fine. But if we're But if we're being realistic, like, you know, Jeff Halfley's name never came up, and I know Pete Thamel did a good job this morning with uh, Jen Gavin Chewy explaining how, unlike the other candidates whose agents are quick to blab to Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter and Tom Pelissero about their clients getting interviews because they want to create a buzz and get more interviews, you know, college coaches, if they don't get a job that they're up for, uh, they don't want everyone knowing about it because it affects recruiting and it's hard enough with NIL and the transfer portal already. So his name was never on anyone. Except for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, so he, his name's not on anyone's radar. The, the news breaks while we're getting ready to talk. And frankly, Homer and I were both kind of like, yeah, I don't know much about this guy. And so Homer is going through live on the radio, looking up his bio. And I'll tell you when things flipped a little bit from, I don't know who this guy is to, oh, now I'm interested. It was when Homer got to the part of his resume that he had worked for two years under Robert Sala. And then you start to put more pieces together, right? He worked for Sala, who stood up in Lafleur's wedding and is one of his best friends. Well, if he worked for Sala, that means he obviously worked for Kyle Shanahan, because Kyle Shanahan was the head coach in San Francisco when Sala was the defensive coordinator. Oh, wait, Adam Stenovich was there as the assistant offensive line coach. Oh, wait, Mike LaFleur was there 
as the passing game coordinator. So now you've got a bunch of connections that LaFleur has to Halfley and a connection to a scheme that is different than the Joe Barry scheme and one that LaFleur respects the hell out of because he thinks very highly of Robert Sala, who, by the way, while that story in The Athletic was highly critical of Sala and what a dysfunctional place the Jets operation is, it does point out accurately that they were the, one of the best defenses in the league this year for all the other mm-hmm. stuff that was going on. So, so my, I shifted in real time while on the radio from, uh, I don't know about this, to, okay, I'm intrigued. Oh, okay. And then, you know, I, I looked up some stuff where I found a clip where uh, Richard Sherman, while he was still playing for the 49ers and had Halfley as his position coach, was praising him. Then I saw. Yeah, can I interject for a second? I mean, of course you can. That's just total crap. That, I mean, like he's going to say the guy sucks. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not saying it does. Come on, Jason. You know, that doesn't mean anything. No, 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 no. Uh -uh. I disagree. Okay. And why? Because now, obviously, Brian played for James Campen, who is an outstanding coach. But if Brian Bulaga was asked by Jason Wilde reporter, let's say, let's say for argument's sake, Brian Bulaga plays for the Packers, and he's got Steve the Homer True as his offensive line coach. Oof. He is not going to say, <laughs> this guy's a complete moron. He knows nothing of what he's talking about. I can't believe we hired him. We're all having to teach ourselves the schemes because this guy's a dope and a clown. He's not going to say that to me. He is going to find ways to not praise the dope that they have as an offensive line coach, Steve the Homer True, without criticizing him. You know, well, you know, it's a new thing. We're working through okay. getting to know each other, All right? right? Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. You're right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right, Jason. You're absolutely right. You would, so I if would guys go, think I, that a guy yeah. sucks, they won't say. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're not going to do that. You have to work with this person. But all right, that's, that's not really my comment. My comment is people saying nice things about their coach doesn't necessarily really tell me how good that coach is. Brian Bulaga, yes or no? Well, the thing sure. about it is, the thing about it is, you're, if you don't think your coach is good, right, you would, like, you would, you would make that conversation, those comments very quick. Be like, to me, okay. I would say so, I would say something of the nature of if Jason said, Brian, how do you like you know your new old line coach Homer? I go, you know, we're working through things. You know, we're all new <laughs> to each other. We're trying to get a feel for everyone, and and that's kind of where we're at right now. And that would be that, and that would probably be the end of it. And Jason would probably probe some more, and I'd say, yeah, everyone's new. We're all trying to get you know the feel for each other and get. Uh, you know, what get was what if he was an? What would if I was an average coach? I'm not saying this guy's bad. I'm just an average coach. So, so that's good. I'm glad you're asking that because, first of all, there's no way you'd be an average offensive line coach. I know you. No, I'd be horrible. You would have been a fine quarterbacks coach for Aaron Rodgers because anybody could coach. Correct. Him. Thank you. But, but so again, Brian, Brian would say some platitudes that don't really mean much, but he wouldn't overpraise you. The reason why Richard Sherman's comments are germane okay. is because. When a guy sucks or a guy's average, you don't hear guys go overboard in their praise. Like, I'll give you an example again using Brian. So, and, and look, 
Campy has reached a point now in his career, and I, I assume he still wants to keep coaching, and I'm guessing he'll find another spot to coach. He's been to a lot of different places because he's been on a lot of staffs where the head coach has gotten fired lately after being the longest-tenured assistant in Packers history, which is saying something for a team that's been around for 106 years. But when, when Campy did the personalized uh, bobbleheads for all the guys on the offensive line, that was a personal touch that if that was all he did, Brian would have said, well, it was, a re- it was a really nice gesture that our line coach did that for us. But if he didn't know what the hell he was talking about, Brian wouldn't tell us what a great line coach he was if he wasn't. And so for, for Sherman to say those things back in whatever that is, 18, that he said it, it, it does mean something. Now, you're right. They're not going to get up there and just badmouth a guy. But if a guy isn't good, it's the same with, you know, I'll give you another example. Al Harris and, uh, and Charles Woodson were brutally honest about how they thought Joe Witt didn't know a damn thing when they started because he was younger than they were when McCarthy made him the cornerbacks coach. And he was following Lionel Washington, who played in the league for 15 years, and they respected and thought the world of because he was a former player and he was so insightful. And you can ask Charles and Al to this day, they would both say that they weren't fair to Joe Witt because they thought this guy can't teach us anything. And by the time they had spent a couple of years with Joe Witt as their position coach, they raved about him, in part because they knew they had been wrong about him, but more importantly, because he knew, even though he hadn't played in the league, even though he wasn't as experienced as Lionel Washington, they were getting, they were better players because of the tools that Joe was giving him. And to me, that's what Richard Sherman was doing on Jeff Halfley's behalf. Now, again, to your point, it still doesn't guarantee that he's going to be a great defensive coordinator. He's never been a defensive coordinator by himself at any of his stops. The Ohio State job, he was the co-defensive coordinator. He does have four years as a head coach at the college level, at a Power 5, kind of of middle-of-the-road Power 5 school in the ACC. But that is valuable. But he has not been an NFL defensive coordinator before, just like Zach Orr has it and uh, Denard Wilson has it. Like, you know, and we heard Brian's reaction to the idea of Brandon Staley getting the job. And, look, Brandon Staley had been a defensive coordinator for one year with the Rams. And that got him the Chargers job. But that doesn't guarantee and approve that it didn't guarantee he'd be a good head coach. So, yes, we're all just trying to put together the, the picture right now of what to expect from Jeff Halfley, but it's up to him to be actually able to do this and institute his, his system. And I'll tell you one other thing. I know Brian's got questions. I, I, my gut tells me that there are some staff changes coming on the defensive side. I don't know that for sure, but – you know, it is a slightly different system, obviously, not slightly, significantly different system. I find myself expecting, unlike when Joe Barry got the job and they kept everyone intact, I think there's probably some changes that are forthcoming on the, on the defensive staff. So, Jason, that makes me, makes me believe that you think that this is going to be more of like what I told Homer at the start of this show. Like, they're different schemes. This, it's going to be more of the Robert Sala style defense then we're looking at more what the 49ers and what the jets do is what kind of what you're thinking down the mm-hmm. pipe here with 
Yeah, which, which, yeah, which would mean to me, which Homer, this goes back to, does he want to keep Joe Barry? You can't keep Joe Barry as a coach. You can't do it. You can't hire him back on as a coach. He doesn't fit what this guy's doing and what Robert Sala does in this 49er scheme. It doesn't fit. So to Jason's point, yeah, if that's the scheme that's getting brought in, there's going to be changes. There has to be changes because he's got to bring in his own guys. And, you know, who that is, I mean, there's a couple guys on the defensive staff. I mean, I know one for sure that I really like that I hope he stays around. I think he's a really good coach. Jerry Montgomery, the D-line coach, I think he's a great teacher, a great coach. So I'm hoping that they keep him. And the defensive line has been playing well um, as of late. So I hope they keep him. But I, I, I think you're right, Jason. I think there's going to be some changes down the road. I think and there has to be. And, Brian, at least in- and Brian you, you, you know this with Campy. Like, there was no reason for them to move on from Campy after McCarthy's staff and, and Joe Philbin as the interim was let go. There was no reason for Lafleur to not keep James Campen other than he was going to be running the zone scheme and he wanted a guy who'd run it under Shanahan. So even though, like, first of all, Campy can coach absolutely anything. Uh, He could probably, he could probably coach uh, any position on the offensive side by now. And yet Lafleur hired Stenovich, who turned out to be a good offensive line coach and has grown as an offensive coordinator. But there was the only reason he moved on was not because Campy's not a very good coach. It's because he wanted someone who was going to run this specific scheme. So that, that could mean the same thing for a guy like Jerry Montgomery or Kirk Olivadotti or some of these other guys that he just, Jeff Halfley is going to want someone who runs, has extensive experience in the Sala style scheme. Um, and I'll tell you one guy who Halfley has history with, which would be fascinating if somehow this happened is Mike Pettin. And he talks <laughs> yeah. about Pettin's influence on him. <laughs> how about a, how about a full three, 360 oh. on that and have, have him Boy. end up back in Green Bay? That'd be something. And But, see, that's where – that's the only thing, Jason, that I was telling Homer at the start here that I'm wondering what style he's going to be because Pettin has had such an impact mm-hmm. on him and Pettin's more like the Joe Barry style. All right, I'll help you Which on this, Brian. The way go? it works is they always change. Whenever you do it one way, the next guy comes in and does it a different way. Every time. Well, every sport, get, every coach, I, every manager, every team. I Unless somebody gets that. old and they're just I, – I, I get it. I get it. But I'm just saying, hey, I'm just throwing it out there. This is just for me looking at it from an outside perspective and kind of, you know, especially, right, if Jason says it and, you know, as I mean, obviously it's just speculation, but say Mike Pettin ends up back in Green Bay, right? (laughs) Say he does. I'd be shocked. (laughs) I would be too. My my point, though, and and Brian gets this, is that, Look, they're they're gonna they're gonna do some different things, right? That's obvious. They're and Brian also knows that this is basically a nickel league now. It's all and even Goody said it today in our Q and A with him. Like it it really is five defensive backs as the new base defense, and that's been a while. Brian, I don't think it was that way when you came into the league, but it was certainly that way by the time you went out of the league. And so, oh, yeah. I, I don't think four three three four does not mean as much as it did in 2009 when the Packers went to a 3-4 and Dom Capers was hired the year before Brian was drafted. But I do think your point, Homer, is good that all these guys pick up different things at different spots, 
and then they formulate their own system. Because remember, for Joe, for all the, I don't want to talk about Joe Barry and whatever criticism he deserved or didn't deserve, all that stuff. Joe Barry in the NFL cut his teeth in Tampa under Tony Dungy, Monty Kiffin, uh, his father-in-law, uh, all those guys, and they all ran a Tampa two. And the the Tampa two defense was all the rage for a while. He did not get the job three years ago because he ran a Tampa two. He got the job because he ran a variation of the Vic Fangio scheme, which has now gone out of style as well, by the way. And yep. so and that's how Brandon Staley got his job. So you're right. All these guys have to go through a metamorphosis. They make changes. They take things that they liked from, in Halfley's case, I'm sure he's got principles that he likes from his time with Mike Pettin. I'm sure he's got a ton of principles that he likes from his time with Robert Sala. I'm sure he came up with different ideas himself during his four years at Boston College, and he kind of put it all together, and you're going to get this Halfley defense, and we're going to find out how good or not good it is. All right, talking with Jason Wilde, we're over again, but I want 30 seconds from you when someone asks you, why, why did LaFleur pick Jeff Halfley? Uh, I think it's pretty simple. I think it's he wants the kind of aggressive, Sala-style scheme. So he likes that. He wants someone who's flexible, who plays man, bump, press man coverage, which is not part of the Joe Barry system. And I think he really values staff, connectivity, and culture, and the, the, the idea of people being able to work together. And while Matt LaFleur did not have a lot of extensive history with Jeff Halfley. I think that's been misreported that they're good friends. I do think that they have a lot of mutual friends whose opinions Matt LaFleur really trusts. And I think he, from those opinions and the time that he clearly spent interviewing Halfley, I think he probably got a feeling of this guy's going to fit in on this staff really well. And that's really important to him. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, All right, guys. Take care. Be good. Back to Brian Bulaga. Next. Brian Mulaga and the Homer Hour. That's the proper way to do it. The doctor of football. He'll be watching that first Packer game with Jeff Halfley three times. I think we're going to set an all-time record to try to best figure out his defense. I don't know that you'll do it in the preseason, can you get anything? Or uh, will it be the first regular season game? I believe three times you might watch there's, the game. Yeah, there's a good chance that I may have to do that just to kind of see what he's doing, right? Like to try to see the ins and outs of it. Preseason, he, he's going to be super plain and super vanilla, and it's going to be, you know, kind of boring. And that's the way I look at it. I don't, he's not going to do anything crazy and, and I'll do that and all that. But um, week one is going to be a big week to see kind of, you know, what he's all about. What What is he doing in certain situations and uh, how aggressive is he on third down? Obviously, depending on what team Green Bay plays week one, right? Is it a running quarterback? Is it a pocket passer? You know, how does he attack certain um, quarterbacks? And then, you know, matchups on the outside does Jair follow around with the number one receiver if they're playing press man you know things like that that I'm so intrigued by um that you just don't know until you see it and obviously Jason made a good point like he got hired 
and I would assume Jason's correct on this, as he is a lot of the times on these things. He, he got hired because LaFleur loves Salah's defense, and he has a lot of respect for it, and he loves the attacking nature of that defense. Okay, now, now, then why didn't he hire somebody like that when he hired Barry? Well, I, I think because he wanted to keep things familiar, scheme fit with the players that he had, right? Like, so I don't, I don't know. I'm asking. I just, well, you know, well, no, doesn't me, that seem odd? I mean, I look at more like, hey, you try it one way, that doesn't work. You try it the other way. That's your manager's tough. I don't know how it how it's been with you with coaches or head coaches. Coach is tough. The next coach is going to be nice, and then if that guy fails, then it's going to be tough. But I mean, it's a legitimate question. And it's possible yeah. that he changed. I don't, I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's. He got you know, rid of when... Patton, right? Okay. Let me just ask, let's see if this is accurate or not. He got rid of Patton and now he's bringing him back. I mean, yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. All yes right. and no. Um, you know, he got rid of Patton and hired Joe Barry, correct? He got rid of Patton and after the 2020 season, correct? Right, but Patton's style is very similar to what the expectation is for Halfley, right? No. No? No. The I thought expectation then, I thought no, Patton, is, is, is Salah. Is, but I thought they were saying Halfley might bring Patton back. He's the name well, that came up. That's a name, yeah, because they're very close and they work together on staff, but that doesn't mean that the style is going to be Mike Patton. Oh, okay. And that defense, right? So, like, we were talking about it, how how this guy learned a lot and was, was a position coach under Salah, and that's what okay. I would imagine Matt LaFleur is kind of looking for in his defenses, that Robert Salah, 49er, New York Jet-type defense, and, and that attacking style, um, which to me, like I said, which is a is a really good defense and, a, and structurally sound and um, – do really good things to combat offenses. I think it's, I think it's good. Um, again, you know, we could talk about scheme and you said it beforehand. Like we could talk about scheme, which is great. It's fun. I could talk about it all day. I love it. But at the end of the day, it's about the players too. Like can these players, are these players capable of playing at a high level in any scheme, right? Can they be better than what they were under Joe Barry scheme under Halfley scheme. That's what we're going to find out, right? Like at the end yeah. of the day, it's the guys. So we, you know, I I can assure you that Halfley is coming in. He he understands the layout. He wouldn't take the job if it was a terrible personnel. Well, I, I think he uh, might. I think he might. I wanted to add on to that. I'm just like he, he. There was a chance he could get fired at Boston College. Okay, I, I didn't know that. I, well, I no, know I don't that. know that for sure. But he hadn't done that great. And, you know, he was he had, a, I mean, just look at his numbers. And I know the ACC is whatever. They, I mean, if I was him, given it, given how things had gone at Boston College, and they offered me the job at Green Bay, I don't care if it sucks. I'm gone. Now, I yeah. know he said it's the NIL and stuff like that. But, you know, he's four games under 500. And this last, before this last year, he, I mean, okay, he's four years. Tied for sixth yeah. in the conference. Tied for sixth of seven teams in the Atlantic Division. Tied, uh, seventh of seven teams in the Atlantic Division. And tied for ninth Ooh. last year. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, so yeah. Boston College is horrible. Maybe Boston College is I'm just saying it was easy to leave. Yeah, yeah you're right. Okay. I take I take back my but statement. But right. now, now the, before we get lost in this, 
What do you think my opinion is on the hire? Do you think I like it or don't like it? I think you like it. I think you like it because because you kind of gave me the you gave me the answer to the test kind of before by saying it's the players. You, you you're not as much worried about the scheme as you are the players. And and I I, I don't know that I can defend the hire, given but I, I'm I, uh, Lafleur deserves the benefit of the doubt. I think he had a spectacular season as a coach to take a young team that's struggling and turn it around the way he did. So if if he likes this guy, I'm in. I'm just not going to allow people to lie about what this guy has or hasn't done. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm on board. Like I I, I trust Matt Lafleur, um, knowing him personally, and, and yeah, you and know all him. that. And I think I, it's I, this guy's part of the club. There's a club. These guys, they I, I guarantee you, he's smart. Uh, and and they, you know, it's like he's not the friend, but but he's. A part of a club, and and Lafleur yep. likes people in that club, and he was one. So yeah, they they like the it's it's like the Shanahan club. It's yeah. like Club Shanahan, and and if you're in that club, you got a chance. You're, yeah, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna find yourself on an NFL coaching staff somewhere for now <laughs> until it point. switches to some something else. They yeah, the Tony Dungy exactly. thought it was that way with the Tampa two. Next, I like the nightlife. How about you? I want to share some not love. Let's do, let's get loose. It is Brian Bulaga, the doctor of football. And yes, I believe you can assume that the first Packers regular season game, he will set a record, at least on the show, for watching a game three times so that he can give us the particulars on Jeff Halfley and what he will do. Yeah. There are what yeah. was what was yeah. the what was the, what was the poll pebble the not percentage of people believing the Packers will win the Super Bowl? What was that yesterday? Twenty. I was around twenty. Yeah, 20, in the mid twenty percent. And I did that because I want everyone to know how excited Packer fans are. I mean, the expectations are off High. the charts, right? High. Uh-huh. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Uh, but what will have to happen for me to be to me to accept the season NFC Championship game? Yeah. So you and I are on the same page there. Yeah, that's that makes me feel better. Other, yeah, that's what we said the other day. Yeah. Here's a better question for you. What do you find What would you find acceptable for Halfley's first year? What what does that defense need to be? Somewhere, I mean, I'm in points given up. So they were 10th this year. And granted, the the schedule was probably so somewhere around in there, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, eighth, somewhere in there. I think because yep. we're about done here, but we'll continue next week. I think the most important thing this season, the biggest thing that will be the determining factor, is if Jordan Love can play, even not as well as he did the last games, but as one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Because I am expecting the league and all the teams to spend so much time trying to figure out a way to make it tougher on him. But again. I might have just made that up. Wouldn't isn't that what every team's going to do? The second oh, yeah. year is tougher for players because they got to find, they got to look for and find a way that makes it a little tougher on Jordan Love. I think so. I mean, you got tape on him now. You got you, you've seen tape of what teams did well against him, what confused him, what kind of rattled him. Nothing uh, worked what, the last eight weeks except well, one yeah, first no, down. Yeah, no, I know, but like you, you see, right, what would you that, do? 
Well, it wouldn't be Jordan Love. It'd be against the wide receivers. No, no. It'd be. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Be, it, it would. To me, it would be to rattle to get in Jordan Love's, you know, kitchen. You'd have to rattle the receivers, which to me would be doing what Jeff Havley wants to do and press coverage our wide receivers and jam them and get Jordan Love off his timing. That's the way I would look at it. So, not have so many receivers so wide open so often. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but is it fair to say that it's to want and worry a little bit about Jordan Love being as good the second you're given what the NFL does? Yes or no? Sure, I'm concerned about it, but I think he's a, a going to be a special player, so I think he's going to be fine. All right. The doctor of football. I'm writing it down three times watching the uh, first regular season game. Marquette Thursdays is next, and Chase Ross is on, and he was unbelievable after missing six games.